Chapter 2, Part 1 of Sin and Its Consequences by Henry Edward Manning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2 Mortal Sin, Part 1. If any man shall see his brother's sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and life shall be given unto him that sinneth not unto death there is a sin unto death i do not say for that any man shall ask all iniquity is sin and there is a sin unto death one john chapter five verses sixteen and seventeen from the written word of god it is clear beyond controversy that some sins are unto death and some sins are not unto death that is to say that some sins are mortal, and some sins are not mortal. Our next subject, as I said, is mortal sin. But before I enter upon it, I wish to recall to your memories the general principles already laid down. First, we know that the end of man is God, that God made man for himself, that he made him to his own likeness that he made him capable of knowing, loving, and serving him, and of being like to God, and that in the knowledge, the love, and the service, and the likeness of God, is the bliss of man. Therefore, conformity to God is our perfection, and union with God is eternal life. But deformity, or departure from the likeness of God, is sin, and separation from God is eternal death. The nature of sin is, as we have defined it, the transgression of the law of God, or in other words, any thought, word, or deed deliberately committed with the knowledge of the intellect and the consent of the will contrary to the will of God, or in other words again, it is the variance of the created will against the uncreated will, of the will of the creature against the will of the creator. The essential malice of sin, then, consists in the variance of the will, the hostility of the will of the creature against the will of his maker. These were the principles which I laid down last time. We will now take them up again and make application of them in one particular point. St. John in the words with which I began, tells us that if any man see his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he ought to pray for him. Now what are the sins that are not unto death? Sins of infirmity, sins of impetuosity, sins of strong temptation, sins which by the subtlety of Satan lead men astray, sins of passion, in which human nature being weak and tempestuous and liable to disorder, is drawn aside. If in all these there be no malice, either against God or against our neighbor. Now these are sins which all Christians are liable to commit, and do commit, and which without doubt you yourselves are profoundly conscious of committing. These are sins not unto death, as we may trust, because if there be no malice against God or our neighbor, then the essential sinfulness of sinning is wanting. 
and in that case st john says let him pray for him and god will give life unto those that sin not unto death that is to say he will give grace sorrow pardon help protection and perseverance he will watch over those souls if in humility and in sorrow they persevere and the prayer of those who are faithful and steadfast will obtain grace for those that sin not unto death then he goes on to say there is a sin unto death for that i say not that any man should ask that is that any man should pray now what is this sin unto death the sin of judas was a sin unto death with his eyes open with the knowledge of his master though perhaps he did not know of the mystery of the incarnation as we know it now nevertheless he knew enough he sold his master and yet perhaps not knowing that he sold him to be crucified this then was a sin unto death the sin of simon magus was a blasphemy and a sin unto death the sin of those that blaspheme the holy ghost which shall never be forgiven is a sin unto death the sin of apostates from the faith who having known the truth and having had the full light and illumination to know god afterwards fall from him is described by st paul in the epistle to the hebrews where he says it is impossible for those who have been once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and of the good word of god and of the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to be renewed again unto repentance hebrews chapter six verse six in one word all who are impenitent sin unto death all those who having had full light and knowledge of god in his revelation with their eyes open turn from it of whom st john says they went out from us because they were not of us for if they had been of us without doubt they would have continued with us one john chapter two verse nineteen all these who so sin sin unto death and are left to the judgment of god st john in these words does not forbid us to pray he says i do not say that is i do not enjoin it he leaves it to the conscience of every man he says of those who sin not unto death that we have all confidence we may obtain pardon and grace for them but for those who do sin unto death as i have described we have no such confidence and therefore though i do not enjoin it i do not forbid it then he goes on to say all iniquity is sin now iniquity means all departure from the rectitude of god and of the law of god iniquity is inequality or crookedness everything that is not conformed to the rectitude of god to his perfections to his law and to his will is sin and there is a sin unto death we have here a distinction of those sins which are and those which are not mortal my purpose now is very roughly to define what it is that constitutes this distinction 
and secondly to show what are the effects of this mortal sin which is unto death as i have said before to constitute a mortal sin it is necessary that the man who commits it should know what he does there must be a knowledge of the intellect if not the sin is only as i then said a material sin and not a formal sin unless his ignorance be a culpable and guilty ignorance next he must know not only that he is doing wrong but his will must consent to the wrongdoing thirdly he must know and consent deliberately with such an advertence or attention to what he is about as to make him conscious of his action a man who should transgress the law of god in the least possible way would fulfill these three conditions it would be a transgression of the law of god if i should take an apple off the tree of my neighbor without his leave it was his i had not a right to take it and i thereby broke the commandment thou shalt not steal but that certainly would not be a sin unto death it became a sin unto death when a divine prohibition was laid upon such an act under pain of death and that the pain of eternal death but where there is no such command laid under pain of death it is quite clear that the taking of an apple would not constitute a sin unto death therefore it is necessary that there should be a gravity in the matter of the sin and the gravity of that matter will be constituted in one of two ways it is either the material gravity that is the extent or amount or quantity of the sin committed or it is the moral gravity derived from the circumstances of the case an illustration will at once make this clear if i were to rob a man of a very large amount of his property no one would doubt for an instant that i committed a sin unto death or a mortal sin the common sense of mankind the instincts of justice would at once pronounce against me if i were to take a needle from some rich person the instincts of justice would acquit me of a sin unto death i have taken that which did not belong to me but no one would say that in taking that needle from the rich man who could obtain an abundant supply of needles i had committed a sin unto death no but suppose that needle belonged to a poor seamstress who gained her daily bread by the industrious use of that one needle and that she had not the means to buy another and that if she were robbed of it her industry must cease and she could no longer gain her bread and that i knew all those facts and that with my eyes open knowing the extent of the injury i was doing in violation of the law of charity as well as of the law of justice i should take that needle with a perfect consciousness that i was destroying the means of industry and reducing her to hunger you see at once that there is a moral guilt which arises from these circumstances suppose still further that i myself were jealous of her prosperity being of the same trade or calling and that i take the needle in order to ruin her for my own advantage 
you see therefore that in so small a theft as the stealing of a needle there may be an enormity of moral guilt it is not enough then that there should be the knowledge of the intellect and the consent of the will to the action unless the matter in which that action is committed shall be of a grave kind either materially or morally before god there are seven capital sins the names of which you all know first of all there is pride which separates the soul from god secondly there is envy or jealousy which separates a man from his neighbor thirdly there is sloth which is a burden pressing down the powers of man so that he becomes weary of his duty towards god and forsakes him fourthly there is avarice which plunges a man deep into the mire of this world so that he makes it to be his god fifthly there is gluttony which makes a sensual fool sixthly there is anger which makes a man a slave to himself and lastly there is impurity which makes a man a slave of the devil in those seven kinds there are seven ways of eternal death and all those who with their eyes open with the knowledge of the intellect and the full consent of the will commit sin in any of those seven kinds are walking in the way toward sin unto death number one we come now to the effects the first effect of one mortal sin is to strike the soul dead the grace of god is the life of the soul as the soul is the life of the body and one sin unto death in any one of the kinds that i have spoken of strikes the soul dead the soul dies at once and on the spot not as the tree which is blasted by the lightning and dies gradually day after day first in the leader then it begins to die in the branches and then it dies in the trunk and then it dies in the root this is a slow process but not so with the soul one single sin unto death strikes the soul dead at once and that for this reason the grace of god is the life of the soul and one mortal sin separates the soul from god the holy angels when they were created lived in the presence of god though they did not as yet see the face of god they were on probation every creature depends on god in two ways he needs the support of god for his existence and of the grace of god for his sanctification if god were not present with us at this moment in our physical life we should die if he were not in this building the walls of it would vanish so it was with the angels in their first state of bliss it was the assistance of god which sustained them in their being as pure intelligences spotless in their innocence excellent in their strength surpassing in their energy he maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire they also needed grace the angels were holy just as we are holy 
because the Holy Ghost was with them, and all the actions of the angelic perfection were sustained by an actual grace and help of God, just like our own. By one sin, one sin unto death, and that a sin of pride, purely spiritual, they fell and died eternally and without redemption. As St. Jude writes, leaving their habitations, were cast down into darkness and everlasting chains until the day of judgment. As it was with the angelic natures, so it was with man. God, when he created man, constituted him, as I said before, with three perfections, the perfection of nature, that is, of body and soul, the supernatural perfection, or the indwelling of the Holy Ghost and of sanctification, and the preternatural perfection, or the perfect harmony of the soul in itself and with God, and the immortality of the body. These three perfections, natural, supernatural, and preternatural, make up what is called original justice. And in that state, man was constituted when he was created. But by one sin of disobedience, with his eyes open, with the consent of his will and with full deliberation, and that in a matter light in itself, as I have said, but grave because the prohibition of God under the penalty of death was laid upon it, in that slight trial, without temptation save only the listening to the tempter, who awakened a spirit of curiosity and disobedience, where all around him was permitted and one only thing forbidden, man sinned against God, and by that one sin was struck dead. The Holy Ghost departed from him, and all his perfections were wrecked. The supernatural perfection was lost, the preternatural perfection was forfeited, the soul fell from God, the body was struck by death. He became from that time disinherited, shorn of sanctity and life. One sin unto death separated him and all his posterity from God. As it was in the case of Adam, so it is also in the case of the regenerate, so it is in our own. We who are born into the world spiritually dead have once more, by regeneration and baptism, the life of the Spirit. If we sin mortally with our eyes open and with consent of our will, we forfeit the presence of the Holy Ghost in the soul, the charity of God which unites us to Him, the sanctifying grace whereby we are made children of God, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit which are always inseparably united to His presence. There is left in us, indeed, the grace of hope and the grace of faith, these two remain like the beating of the pulse and the breathing of the lungs. There is just so much left of the life of grace with the light of faith and the aspiration of hope after God. But our union with God is broken. We are separated from Him and at variance with Him. This is the first effect of mortal sin. For habitual grace and the presence of God are the life of the soul, and the loss of that grace, which is the loss of the presence of God, 
is the death of the soul number two but further one mortal sin destroys all the merits that the soul has ever heaped up understand what is meant by merit the doctrine of the catholic church is this not that any creature can merit in the sense of claiming out of the hand of his maker redeemer and judge by any right of his own anything whatsoever in nature or in grace cast out of your minds forever all shadow of misunderstanding upon this merit does not signify that the creature can by any right of his own either in the order of nature or of grace challenge and demand of god the gift or the possession of anything no the word merit is used in two senses there is the merit for good and the merit for evil every good action has a merit that is a certain conformity to the will of god and every evil action has a merit that is a deformity which will be followed by punishment therefore merit is a word altogether indifferent in itself and derives its meaning for good or for evil from its context merit signifies the connection or link that exists between certain actions done in grace and certain awards and that connection or link is constituted sovereignly and gratuitously by the grace and promise of god so that every man who does acts of faith or of charity or of self-denial or of piety will receive a reward both in this life and the next according to those actions every man who does acts of charity will receive an increase of charity and of grace in this life and hereafter as the council of florence defines the glory of the blessed shall be in proportion to the measure of their charity on earth there is a link then between the measure of our charity here and the measure of our glory hereafter this is what is called merit and all through our life if we are living faithfully in the grace of god we are thereby heaping up merits and acquiring in virtue of the promise a greater reward and a greater bliss i may give as example the life of the apostles who through the whole of their career even to their martyrdom were continually increasing in the sight of god the accumulation of his good will of his grace and of his reward this is true of you all and through your whole life everything that you do according to the will of god being in a state of grace has in the book of remembrance a record and in the sacred heart of our divine master a promise of reward which shall be satisfied at his coming one sin then unto death unless afterwards repented of utterly cancels all these merits of a whole life it matters not how long you may have been living a life of justice of charity of humility of generosity and of piety before god one mortal sin and the whole of that record is cancelled from the book of his remembrance it is all gone 
as if it had never been do you need proofs of this take the history of david the man after god's own heart you remember his faith his patience his fidelity his courage his prayer his spirit of thanksgiving he is the psalmist of israel the man with the greatest of all titles the man after god's own heart but in one moment by the twofold sin of murder and adultery he cancelled before god every merit of his youth and of his manhood all was dead before god solomon the son of david the type of our divine lord the king of peace the man famous for wisdom not only because he received it as a divine gift but because he had the wisdom to ask for wisdom not for riches the man illuminated beyond all other men because afterwards he fell away from god into sin unto death all the merit of that long life of wisdom and light and of early sanctity was cancelled judas in his childhood and in his boyhood and in his youth was perhaps as faithful to the light of his conscience as you have been he left kindred and all that he had to follow his master no doubt there were in his heart struggles and aspirations and prayers and desires to walk in the footsteps of his divine lord but there crept upon him the sin of covetousness he carried the bag and that which was put therein and satan tempted him and then entered into him and he sold his master ananias in like manner renounced the world perilled his own life to become a christian sold all that he had made sacrifice of everything but kept back part of the price demas was the companion of apostles and exposed his life to danger and lived in toil and poverty and perpetual risk the companion of the apostle of the gentiles until he forsook him having loved this present world and all the merits of that life of faith and of all those actions which once were recorded in the book of god's remembrance were in one moment cancelled and therefore st paul said of himself i keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest after i have preached the gospel to others i myself should become a castaway 1 corinthians chapter 9 verse 27 the prophet ezekiel says when the just man turneth away from justice he hath done and committed iniquity in the iniquity he hath done in the sin he hath committed in that he shall die and his justice shall be no more remembered ezekiel chapter 3 verse 20 end of chapter 2 part 1